and welcome back to the Popo Exchange. This is Ryan. I'm Keza. I'm Alicia. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we are geeking out on Star Trek. You know this is a perfect weekly endeavor because, you know, my laptop has crashed 17 times in the attempt to record this episode. And because it is Star Trek, we are all staying put discussing what deck we think the warp core is on. And that's what makes us Trekkies. Hold on, we're going to figure this out right now. Aaron, what deck is the warp core on on Voyager? On Voyager, I think it's yeah. deck six or seven, something like that. Okay, the fact that I know he's wrong shows what a geek I am. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Isn't that's it the right nine? Answer. It's actually eleven. Eleven. Uh, but the uh, fact that I know that means there's something wrong with me. I just find it amusing or, that you're talking about geeking off and like I am the least geeky person on Puff whatever. <laughs> She's the but, least geeky person, yeah, yeah. but she's the biggest Star Trek fan. Well, and that's Rena the thing. The, the only reason I even rate on those geek tests is because I know <laughs> what a Vulcan ear looks like. <laughs> it's because, you know, you tick the boxes, have you ever watched, you know, all this list of shows, Star Trek? I'm like, yes. More than once. Yes. And it's like, yeah. Five percent geeky, yeah, because I watch Star Trek. <laughs> it's not the best test in the world, but you know, whatever. Okay, <laughs> so we, tonight we are going to half geek out, half do a commentary for everyone or y'all if Jen were here. But Jen does not know Star Trek from Star Wars, and Mike is even worse. So we're just going to leave you with that. So we have in the what is this? The third disc of Next Generation. Third disc of season three. Third disc of season three. We're going to watch the Defector tonight, which. Actually, you know what? This would actually go a lot better if I actually use the right remote control. I'm sitting here, I, like, this is our 15th episode. I've tried to use my TV remote control to control my DVD player. Okay, so we are going to uh, hit record on The Defector, which is one of the best episodes, I think, of the third season. Uh, probably in the top ten of all the next generation, although I tend to say that a lot. I'm like, I'm like you know, Jen, basically, every episode is my favorite episode so why don't we all go to our dvds and we're going to put the little i guess white star trek little what is this thing i don't even know what this is this is supposed to be like a control panel <laughs> on the enterprise maybe all right i just have to say i enjoy this type of dvd much better than i do the west wing gilmore girl variety that you have to click on the episode and then it shows you everything that happens in the episode before you can hit play yeah this one's a little bit better. So we're clicking on the defector. Brings up a little picture of our Romulan scout ship there. We're going to put our cursors on engage. And we're going to do the old one, two, three click as opposed to the three, two, one click. We tried it. It got confusing. So we're going to go back to one, two, three click. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Wait, another peon. I am dead. Okay. One. <laughs> See, we're just jumping into this. This isn't perfect weekly. One, two, three click. Click. Now, as I understand, being the geek that I am, this episode was supposed to open with a scene from uh, Sherlock Holmes. It was supposed to be a day the holodeck program, and they realized after they did Elementary Dear Data in the second season, the writers thought that Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain. And in fact, not so much. They got a season <laughs> this leather. So nice. they decided, hey, let's do Shakespeare. Because Shakespeare is... In public, in domain. public domain. It is. No, well, yeah. Didn't they, didn't uh, they do more Sherlock Holmes later? They did. Yeah. They finally got permission, but it took them about five years to do it, so Moriarty had to chill on ice for a few years. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Wasn't, wasn't the guy who played Picard, I forget his name right now, uh, wasn't he actually a Shakespearean actor? He is, and he's actually in this scene right here. Yeah, he's the guy. Stewart on the far right. He's the guy with the hal- halberd or whatever that is. 
Isn't Data a Shakespearean actor as well? Yeah, Brent Spiner, I believe, is, is also. Is he a Shakespearean actor? I think so. I always I thought he was. Do you know, sometimes I'm a very dim person. Like, for example, like, it took me 25 minutes on a Perfect Weekly episode to realize Melinda was joking about something. Like, sometimes <laughs> I can be especially dim. Do you know I watched the show for five years before I was like, hold on, Picard's British? <laughs> <laughs> so well, nice I, data. Actually, no. nice data. Did, actually, did you know that? Brent, Spi- Brent Spire's not British, is he? Isn't he? I don't think he is. I, I could have sworn Brent Spire thing. was American. I did, no, he's American. I did the same thing on Battlestar Galactica. Like, literally, after three years of Battlestar Galactica, I'm watching it with Danielle, who knows nothing about Battlestar Galactica, and, she, and I'm like, is Baltar British? And she literally, like, whacked me with a pillow. Like, I knew Apollo was British, but... We're not talking about... No, uh, oh, no, Jimmy Bamber's talk- Australian, isn't he? No, he's British. Okay. Have you read the, have you read the, the round table commentary where they're all on? They all sound British. You can't tell... <laughs> <laughs> well, the stupid thing about Picard is he's supposed to be French. <laughs> There's yeah. no, nothing French. Then he goes home to France, and it's like everyone's British. I'm like, just say he's British. Well, you know, oh, for American audiences, French oh, I love British this here where Picard almost attacks himself. That was nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dan is new. Dan, who literally, like, airdropped in right as the podcast was beginning, he is very new to Star Trek. Dan, how many episodes of Star Trek have you actually watched? Uh, you sent me one, but I wasn't able to watch it yet, so, uh, this is my first one. This is, this is your first Star Trek episode, okay. No do way. You know what, yeah, but... Do you, do you have any idea what you're watching? Uh, yes, I, I did, I did see it before. I, I watched the episode before I, so. Okay, so we've done a little bit of research here. So, the, just for your benefit, and, you know, maybe the three or four other people who are listening to this who maybe didn't hear that Star Trek got cancelled about 40 years ago, um, there was a Star Trek series in the 60s, which lasted three years with William Shatner, a.k.a. Priceline Dude. And <laughs> it was um, canceled because of low ratings, and also the writing quality had declined by the end of it. But it became like a cult favorite. It spawned movies. It spawned just you know this resurgence of viewership. And that's when this show, The Next Generation, was created. And it's set about 100 years after the first show here. Now, I was actually thinking about this earlier. Every Trek has like, as part of the theme behind it, the, you know, understand humanity. I mean, it's a prism of understanding human nature, so you always have the alien character, and on Next Generation it's undoubtedly Data. Absolutely. Trying so hard to understand humanity here. With the Romulan scout ship. Now, wasn't uh, George Takai in the first one, in the first series, too? George Sakai was in the first series, William and, Shatner, uh, Leonard, Leonard Nimoy. You see a lot of yeah, you see a lot of the original characters um be reprised over they find you know, some sci fi twist or another to bring them back over the next Yeah, um DeForest yeah. Kelly who played McCoy in the original series, um uh, had uh, a guest spot pilot. on the on the pilot, yeah, counter of Farpoint. It was the only good moment in the entire pilot. <laughs> the pilot was the pretty pilot. bad. Was oh, pretty rough, Ravi. Can I just tell you, my, my fiance is a like she'll she's a Star Trek fan. Like she'll watch certain episodes, but she's never had any cohesion to it. So she literally sat down and wanted to watch the entire Next Generation. So I put her in front of the uh, pilot episode, and for the entire next day, she's walking around the house, oh, great joy and happiness, because she was getting so pissed off by Troy. It was so bad. Oh, that was the worst so, part. It's, it's amazing. Amazing how much you know it changed just from the pilot to the first season. 
they put it out over here and they gave us the pilot and I'm watching it. I'm excited. I was about 11 and I'm sitting there with my mum. I'm watching it. It's all good. And then they went, jumped straight to, um, like, season three or something where Troy's having this baby in 24 hours. <laughs> and yes. we're like, what happened? No, what ha- here's what happened. The, the, the first season was pretty bad and it ended on this, on this very, um, you know, angsty note with the Romulans and, you know, bases are being scooped up from planets and what's going on. And they, they were going to do this continuous plot arc during the second season. And then there was the writer's strike. It was the, it was the last writer's strike, you know, other than the one we just had last year. And they had no episodes. So they're like, what the hell do we do? And they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the seventies, they were going to, they were going to make a, a, you know, a resurgence of the original Star Trek. They were going to, they were going to resume the original show a few years after it got canceled. And they wrote all these scripts. And then Star Wars came out and they said, scrap the TV show. Just make, you know, the most boring movie you can. And they said, okay, we have this idea for something called Star Trek, the motion picture. It's really boring. And they're like, great, film it. So they had all these scripts sitting in a drawer somewhere. So they hauled them out and they basically, they crossed out, I, Leah's name, and they wrote Troy in, and they crossed out Kirk, yep. and they wrote Picard, and it, that was that episode. So a lot of the fans were watching at home, like, the hell just happened here, but well, yeah, yeah that, that was, I was uh, very so- confused. Crazy I've joy gone- and happiness. <laughs> interesting, uh, interesting point. Speaking of the the, I think they called it Phase Two was what the series was going to be called. Yes, I believe the script for this uh, episode that we're watching was in fact a, a Phase Two episode. They reworked. The plot I don't know if, to uh, make this a, particular this episode, episode. I never, I never heard that for this particular episode. I did hear that for uh, Devil's Do, the one with the planet. You know, the the the, the devil takes over. A that's that's a classic one too, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Devil's Do. All right, this one scene here, we see um, who we believe to be Ensign, someone or other. Ensign Jones. Ensign Jones. Look, Ensign Ricky over here. Um, <laughs> that that one scene there where he's sitting on the bridge and he's like looking around. I'm like, okay, that's method acting. That's when you're surrounded by cardboard, but you need to make it look good. That was a little bit of a. You ever notice in the original series just how, like, the Enterprise is supposed to be the flagship of the Federation, immensely powerful. Any episode they're shot at in the first five years, they're like, "Shields have failed. We need to land." And like, they they never shoot back. And then, but the, and, and the, I don't know what the hell this is because I was watching the nth degree um, last night. They can never fire the photon torpedoes because, like, you can have like a ship so far out in space you can barely see it on the, on the, on the, on the view screen. And they're like, "We we could use the photon torpedoes," and, and Riker's like horrified. We can't. We're too close. <laughs> like, I, like it's, it just cracks me up in these early episodes. And, they never. And if that. everything else is good, it's like there's like something in the way that if they do, there will yeah. be some massive backfire because it stands space up and there's no seatbelt anomaly. Yes, and they all fall on the floor. Well, there was even the the episode <laughs> I just saw, like Barkley, like you know, reinforces the shields by three million percent. So they fire the photon torpedoes, and they still like all fall on the floor when the bomb goes. It's like, when do you ordinarily use them? It's this dangerous. Did anyone test photon torpedoes before they put them on all? No, the but then you watch on then you watch on you know def- on um, Deep Space Nine, like a photon torpedo blows up inside the ship, and they're like minor damage. I think it stained the carpet. Like they. Completely threw that idea out the window. Well, didn't they have photon torpedoes in the first generation Star Trek as well? They yes. did have photon torpedoes there, and they were um, bright blue Christmas tree lights. I think that they threw <laughs> with the Klingon ship. Yeah. Okay, I love how when they beam anyone onto the ship, like they always look like they have scoliosis, and they're always facing the rear wall. Like that always <laughs> has cracked me up. 
I'm not really sure what's up. What about when they like look up and they're like stand there at attention and then they? Go, <laughs> now that would concern me. If I were looking at the window, I'd be like, "Is anyone going to grab that ship with the tractor beam? It's just spinning around like it could hit us." Yeah. Would, like that would concern. Like someone should lose their job over that. I think. This Romulan really just lo- looks a lot older than an ensign. Yes, he does. Yes, he does, doesn't he? And Vulcans and Romulans live a long time, so I get- guess he's even older than he looks. That's one thing that they never really follow up on to my satisfaction. They're supposed to be the same species, and there's only supposed to be a couple t- thousand years between them. Yeah. And they have these, like, vast, you know, physiological differences. Like, one head, like, they have four heads, and the other guy, I'm like, well, how would you grow, like, a facial Have you read Fox World? I have not read Spock's World. Do they explain the facial? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've read it, but it's it's worth it. it Spock's World takes you back to the years when um, Sirak was spilling off from the Vulcans. Ooh. Well, um, not Sirak. Sirak's disciple split off. I think I've read it. All all my box books are in boxes. I haven't unpacked them since the twenty millionth move that I've made. I haven't. I just in my adult haven't read Spock's World. I should though. That sounds <laughs> like a good one. Yeah, I just graduated from graduate school. You, you like that? I graduated from graduate school. And um, I tried to start Lost World, and I got like 12 pages into it, and like I was at the red light, and the light turned green, and I had to stop reading, and I haven't picked <laughs> <laughs> Well, that one's kind of boring. The thing is, when they started writing Star Trek novels, the first, oh, I'd say 20, 30, there's this window in there that are really, really good. And then all of a sudden, they started doing the same thing all over and over. Yeah, I like yeah. The ones that, like on Two Space Nine where they finally get into the like the like the recurrent plot lines and they have the continuated series. Like I hate the one where it's like you know in this novel the Enterprise encounters a planet where they must make a difficult decision. <laughs> I know. Right, you know something's going to happen to the ship here because they're all looking out the window and they're like, oh look, the ship's still there. <laughs> well, it's expensive <laughs> to have that model ship floating outside the window, so you know they got to do something cool with it. You know, not putting the tractor beam on it might have been kind of smart in retrospect, though, but because if the ship had been connected with the tractor beam when it blew up, it would have damaged the Enterprise. Yes. Or they could have shot a photon torpedo at it and blown the hole in half the ship. <laughs> I like that. Well, they're looking out the window and they're like, hmm. <laughs> I love, I love, I love LaForge. He, like, turns around. Did you see that? That's <laughs> <laughs> expressionless as data. Well, I love the fact that with Jordy, they went through all of these very expensive, you know, costuming ideas on how they could possibly, you know, pull off the, the, this blind actor. And I think it wasn't like one of the producers of the shows, <laughs> like, went out with his girlfriend. He's like, can I see that barrette for a second? <laughs> when I first saw it, I used to wear them in my hair. And I'm like, why has he got one banana? I literally, that's my little question. Like, why isn't he walking into tables? <laughs> like, how can he see with that damn thing on? There's some episodes that actually shows what he sees. And you're right, I don't understand yeah. how he's not walking to tables. He, oh, you mean the actor? No, the, yeah, I mean the yeah. actor. No the, no, the other thing pisses me off, because they did an episode in the first season where you see what Jordy sees. And they, at one point, he looks at Data, and everyone's watching through his eyes, and they're like, what's that? What's that? And they're like, oh, that's Data. But there's a halo around him. Don't you see that halo? So, apparently, 
around all androids, you know, joys these halos. There's an episode later on in the show where you find out a character who you've seen for 30 minutes of the episode turns out to be an android. And all yeah. you think of is, Jordy had 12 scenes with that person. Why did yeah. Jordy not know? And it's just it completely, <laughs> like, and it was this very emotional, gut-wrenching episode. And I'm just saying, they're like, well, there are many ways one could explain that away, but it's more fun just to say that they messed up. Honestly, <laughs> well, you know what? There's there's two types of Trekkies. There's the Trekkies who enjoy the show, and there's tre- the Trekkies who get really pissed because they move the warp core into the. Oh my book. god! Uh, and, there's there's this great yeah. books that I I got uh, as Christmas presents years ago. That's the called Nitpicker's the Guide. Nitpicker's Guide. Yes, <laughs> I am in the Nitpicker's Guide. Are you really? I am in there. I read it. Oh, that's hilarious! You probably uh, saw a few of mine in there. It was actually interesting because I put, like I said, my girlfriend in front of this episode a few weeks ago, and I knew how it ended. And I kept saying, is he telling the truth or is he not? And she started off saying, well, I think he's telling the truth. And then she's like, no, I think he isn't. And she's like, well, I think he's telling the truth. And I'm like, no, I think he isn't. And she's like, but that doesn't make any sense. And she's going back and forth. And she actually guessed it at one point because I didn't realize she guessed it. Then she guessed back. So I think it's just, this is one of the better episodes of The Next Generation because you in your mind manufacture an A or a B choice. He's either a bad guy or he's, you know, he's a good guy. And you don't manufacture into your mind the possibility that perhaps there's a C option. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, have your cake or eat it too. It's not like, you know, A or B and there's some cop out. So you don't have to make a difficult choice. It's actually a more interesting ending than I think if it had been A or if it had been Okay, this is what I call the computer being, you know, somewhat bitchy. Like, the computer cannot give him water because it only, we only go under the Celsius metric system. Come on. (laughs) Isn't there a default? (laughs) When I first saw the scene, I was thinking, T. Earl Grey hot. Yes. (laughs) Can't do the accent. That's it. Four of the most uh, frequently used words in Next Generation, that's for sure. Hmm. What's you know, he thinking about? I love about? the foreshadowing they drop in this episode, because they drop in the little um, tum that he has right there. And then they drop... I, I still think of it as like he had just said indigestion. And then they continuously <laughs> drop in... Um, well, it's actually... What got my attention was when they get... When Picard uh, tells... I forget who he tells. He he wants to... He, no, he calls Worf into his ready room. And then in the next scene, Data comes in. And Danielle was like, well, that, that's a mistake. He called Worf. I'm like, no, no, that's a little bit later. He met with Worf already. And she's like, oh, I wonder what about. And then there's the next episode where the Klingons hail. And Picard's like, can you go down to the bottom of the ship and take the call down there? And I'm like, and she, Danielle's like, why do they have to go to the bottom of the ship? Like, they, they put in enough foreshadowing to confuse you that they yeah. may not be right here, which I thought was... If you couldn't guess that something was up with that. I didn't guess. Well, know what kills me? This actor, I know I know the actor who plays the Admiral. Um, I think he died of a heart attack a couple of years after this was filmed. But in this episode, you have the time-delayed message. And the same actor is on it. Um, oh, I'm sorry, he's in it in the episode um, The Wounded, the first Cardassian episode, where uh, the 
Federation ship is in Cardassian space, blowing it the hell out of everything. It's yeah. the same actor, but it's not time delayed. So I'm used to in this episode, he gets the messages, and he's like, hmm, and he watches it, and then, you know, the guy's like, you know, good luck with that, and hangs up, and you can see him, like, crawling under his desk. And then a couple episodes later, Picard's like, why would they do this, and what would happen? And I'm thinking to myself, why are you monologuing? You're like me. And then all of a sudden, the other guy answers. I'm like, oh, this not be so much time delayed. <laughs> <laughs> understand why there was the time delay at all. Because I mean, the computers had to translate so fast. Because they're way out on the frontier. They're at the, they're at the yeah. edge of the zone. Wherever they were in the first um, in the first Star Trek series in the 60s, wherever they were, they were always three weeks away from Star Trek. Like, if we send yeah. a message now, we'll take three weeks to arrive. I'm like, that's a long time for hell. <laughs> I could say the idea was back then the galaxy was a bigger place, and now it's uh, it spread out a little bit more. Or something. Dan, you hanging in there with us? Yeah, I, I'm uh, trying to... <laughs> I'm still new to the whole Trek thing, so... This is true. Now, now, do you have any questions as a newbie? Anything that you're a little confused with? <laughs> Besides the fact that, I, that, as you said, I thought the data was the one with the visor, uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty good. And, and, and we like to call him Data, because it was actually an episode where someone called him Data, and he's like, that is not my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the difference? One is my name, the other is not. I believe he's a bitch after that, but I can't prove it. No, the actual thing is the um, the last Star Trek Next Generation movie, Nemesis. Awful, awful movie. My friend fell asleep in the middle of it for like 45 minutes, missed no plot whatsoever. Um, the director, Stuart Baird, thought that Jordy was an alien. Nice. <laughs> I can see you make that mistake. You know, the aliens generally have even fewer modifications to the, their, you know... Everyone has a bumpy parents. forehead. If it's Star yeah, Trek, you have a bumpy He forehead. didn't have the visor by then. He had, many, well, he, he had the little... He had, he his, had uh, the little eye things. Yeah, the, the ocular implant thingies. Yeah, I think his sight was restored by then. Wait, does yeah. Picard have a bathroom? Because he drinks a great deal of tea on the <laughs> That's an interesting question. <laughs> well, well he can't is, go behind a tree. The um, There's supposed to be a bathroom on the far side of the bridge, and I always get a kick out of, like, during ten scenes, like, four women walk out. <laughs> yes. <and> I'm like, <laughs> they're all peeing together. <laughs> but, uh, I, I love the, uh, all the, the, the you know, the, the things that people, the uber geeks have gone through and looked and, and like, analyzed every ep- episode to see where, who's, what, if it's a male, female, or unisex bathroom back there. It's like, I am I am so geeky. I have been, I found a website that shows you every Star Trek soundstage over 30 years. Wow. And shows you where the sets are in proportion and how they, they really do it. And it's actually very surprising. For Voyager and for TNG, it was basically the same sets in the same position. And you can actually recognize, if you look at it, you can tell that some sets look similar. Like the sick bay on The Next Generation is exactly where the sick bay on... Um, on Voyager is and the hallways are designed, you know, in a very similar fashion. So it's actually interesting. Now when I watch it, I'm like, okay, they're on Soundstage 9 and they're in the back. So, and you can see what sets are, are built together and what sets aren't. And actually, I never knew that the engineering set is literally the middle of a hallway. So whenever they need to film there, they just take the pool table out and they open the hallway up and they close the isolation door. And now you have like, you know, like a. 
they were playing around with that concept in Buffy once. They had a scene that called for this fast, tumultuous run a- across a whole bunch of stages. So they just basically said, okay, start in soundstage here, run through the set. And that's what they did. Yeah. And they did that, I guess. And, um, I just want to point out right here, this is my favorite line of the entire... I know we're geeking out more than commentary. Commentary? What the hell is that? But that's um, one of my favorite lines right here. Um, the one thing about that scene that confused me a little bit is why is he asking Data how the crew's doing? Isn't that why he employs right. Troy? But maybe you <laughs> could argue she's in this scene. But I love that line. If, you know, if these bra- if these men do not die, you know, with with honor, it's a... I don't have the line in front of me. I have it on mute here. But, um, you know, it's just if these men don't die well, it's basically... A black mark for the king. Yeah, black mark for the king. And they keep um, running through the the theme from Shakespeare earlier on in the episode that the captain can't just walk amongst his men. I mean, he has he's distant, and that's and it's also compared to this guy here who is not who he appears, and he actually can walk. He can describe himself. He can disguise himself as a lowly ensign, but it doesn't work out very well for him. I love how Picard uses Shakespeare to teach da- data about human nature. You almost called him dad. I did almost call him dad. I just caught that. <laughs> and, uh, Ryan would have had to reach to the internet and slap you if we'd done that, though. It would have been, uh, wouldn't have been pretty. <laughs> like, what is this? Like, the computer's telling him you're being hailed. Worf, go to Deck 9, see what they want. It's like, hmm, that's weird. That's never happened before. <laughs> File that one away. You know, security station deck nine. I didn't even. I thought they sent him to the conference room. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, on um, when they when they um, built the sets for Nemesis, they actually had so little room left that they had to the scene where Data jumps off the Enterprise. Right. They actually had to. Um, that hallway was out the door of the soundstage into the parking lot <laughs> because they just ran out of space. Like, this is actually exactly where Voyager's, um... Engine engine room was? Yeah, well, the problem they had here is they had to keep disguising engineering as a hallway. And there's actually the, um, the wall plugs behind Data on each side. It's the, uh... There's actually a corridor there that they plug up that they had to keep pulling out. So on Voyager, they made sure to make it two different, um... They want to make it its own room, so they wouldn't have to... Right behind uh, Jory there, that white thing is actually just shoved to hide the hmm. hallway. And the... I never... You know what? I never even realized, too, the holodeck and the cargo bay and the shuttle bay are all one set. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, just <laughs> shove things in and out. I never realized that. <laughs> You've thought about this, like... Well, now so that I know that, I watch that. <laughs> and I can like, recognize... Her, I always I did, and I'm watching, and I'm like, okay, that's... Because I always wondered how... They only have one hallway, but they make it look like they have this entire ship. It's just... Sure. I get into the film, but then it's like when you get into how the, did they make it, you're like, they're actors. They're not really, and that kind of screws up a little bit. <laughs> I love this state is learning a little bit about his humanity that he'll conveniently forget by the beginning of the next episode so someone else can remind him how it all works. Huh, this sounds a lot like uh, possibly the concept of the paradigm of uncertainty right here. <laughs> Can I just say that we've made Keza a hardcore harmonium? I'm sorry, really? a rabid, a rabid harmonium, and I'm like, ooh, that could lead to wank. Let me go back and redefine. I mean, like a raccoon rabbit, not like a your weird rabbit. Uh oh. Really? All right. So now, just when you think he's a big fat liar, 
He might not be a big fat liar. He may not be a big fat liar. This actually kills me because I just watched um, that other episode I was talking about that was left over from Star Trek Phase 2 where this um, con artist pretends she's the devil. Yeah. And they can't figure out how she's doing it. And in one scene, she quote-unquote steals the Enterprise and it just like vanishes right from space. Yep. And they're like, oh, this is, that she threw an old cloaking field around it. I'm like, it literally is better than anything the Romulans have. And I kept thinking to this episode, is there something they're cloaked or not? It was, and they can't tell because of all this sophisticated stuff. I'm like, you know, no, it could be the con artist with a little broken down old ship and she may be. Is this all on the same day? Because I thought it was a new day, and he's still wearing the same clothes. They always wear the same clothes. Yeah, but they have a uniform. Where did he get another Romulan uniform? Maybe they... Like, and he's not on his ship now. Couldn't he, like, dress casually? Like, you know... As a technical matter, I'm pretty sure he can put his old uniform in the replica. Look at Tana here. This is great. This is like, okay, you know... (laughs) Don't look conspicuous. He's just glaring. (laughs) I wonder if, not to go to the paradigm of uncertainty, but I wonder if that's the look that they give to Justin whenever they need someone's memory wiped. This significant glance. No idea, it's because Justin really wants to be on the memory squad, not just ordering him around. So he, he, right. he'll interpret any glance. <laughs> oh, I can get to use my watch! <laughs> I love how Data just has this way of putting things like, I know many Romulans would want to pull you apart piece by piece. That does not sound enjoyable. Very stilted. This is what, that's what makes me think he was British, because Data actually has a sort of a, a very... Twang. Well, not a twang, but... It, it's not... I, I've heard him, I've heard the actor speak, and I, I know that he's, he has a very different accent in this... And that's why he was from the I, north. I thought he was from Brent's Byron was from like Buffalo or something. He's like from Texas. So I looked it up. <laughs> he's, from te- he's from Texas. He was born in Houston. But I know that because he puts on a different he, an accent for this, and that's why I thought, you know, hang on, because he's got an accent, so he must be British. <laughs> that actually is interesting because there's some episodes where you can see through the characters into, you know, the like there's an episode, um, it's the end of a season where the next season begins and it's supposed to take place directly after, but all of a sudden Troy has this like deep tan because the actors got married in, in the yeah. hiatus. There's a few episodes later in the se- series where Data actually has at random points a southern accent and I remember thinking, why the hell did they do Oh, God. <laughs> <essentially southern>. <laughs> <laughs> It's um, like I was watching a... Doctor Who the other, other day, and he said the word universe, and his accent slipped, and it came out all Scottish. <laughs> no, they did that. Scotty did that in old Star Trek twice. He lost the southern accent. And uh, Chekhov did, too. Chekhov lost the uh, Russian southern accent. accent. The Russian, yeah, he lost the Russian Scottish accent, but Scotty lost the Scottish accent. Well, since, uh, since you know, uh, Jimmy Dillon was a, a definitely an American. It's, uh, it's a wood- a nine, <laughs> he was a nine-fingered American. <laughs> nine-fingered? He lost a finger during uh, World War II, so every time they show this hand on the old series, they had like a like a hand actor because apparently we can't show. Like he's a, he's an engineer. How could he have lost a finger? <laughs> they, 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 really? That's that's pretty freaky. You can tell during Star Trek Five, there's like Uhura hands him. I am. I know all this stuff. Uhura hands him. Uh, what the hell is she hands him? She hands him like a. Oh, it's Uhura and Scotty are randomly dating in Star Trek Five, so she hands him dinner, and he has like a missing finger right there. Because apparently, you know, gay people can marry now, and you know, we accept you know amputees. So, 
We've come along. There's a lot of random stuff in Star Trek V. I gotta tell you, two million bucks an episode, that is the fakest looking effing cloud I have ever seen in my life. Uh, uh, like, you can actually see, like, a guy with a stick, like, in the cloud. Uh, just moving back. I thought the overall <laughs> effect was very pretty, though. It was, but the, the, the cloud itself. Okay, pretty. I don't get this, though. If all they need to do is analyze Romulan and synthesize it... Danielle I, said the they, same thing. She was absolutely obsessed with that moment. She was obsessed. She couldn't figure that out. Well, they had Romulan and, Ale in Star Trek VI. Why didn't they just yeah. analyze it? Hmm. Yeah. Right, and here is the big reveal of the episode. The king can no longer walk amongst his troops. Yep. He's throwing all of his chips on the table. And any other metaphor you care to use? He's stealing yep. them all right now. Well, it's just, he went into this trying to give away only the information that would save his, um, you know, his, his family and his people, and he didn't want to give away anything else, so because of that, nobody trusted him. Yeah. <laughs> Captain, we continue to be time delayed. I hope you're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. The card's very serious right here. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, ooh. <laughs> well, there's a scene from Battlestar Galactica where um, there's a hostage. You see how I do that? Even in the middle of a commentary. No, no, keep going. <laughs> and Edward James almost, there's a hostage situation, and Edward James almost is like negotiating, and I'm gonna, he has a very deep voice. He's like, we're gonna, okay, we're gonna bring what you want in, and then you're gonna release the hostage. And he slams the phone down, and he looks right at the camera, and he's like, cut the wire! And as soon as he says that, the screen goes black. And that wasn't in the script. He just thought it would sound cool. So they left it in. They're like, we have no idea what wire. We don't know what he's talking about. But it really- <laughs> it's like the same thing in the Picard. Bring him in. <laughs> like- Dude, get over yourself. I remember reading this thing once, you know, when the doors open. That on the old series, they used to have like two tech guys there pulling the doors apart. That's what they still do. They still do it on this. Oh yeah. Oh, they show you. They show you whole um, episodes of where it like closes and like kills Riker because it like crushes him. That's one thing missing from uh, Star Trek DVDs. They need to have more outtakes. (laughs) Yes. I went to this. um, Sorry, go ahead. What do you call them when they display Invention. all the props? What are they called? They, it was at a museum. They like, oh, like showed what, Yeah, and uh, they had all like Star Trek props and stuff, and they were talking about how that they would do stuff on Star Trek that would then come in technology. And I got my first flip phone earlier this year, and I'm flipping. I'm like, I got to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot figure out. Can I just tell you, I cannot figure out how the damn communicator is supposed to work in this show. Oh, like, this you know, one. Picard saw- to Troy, and she's like, oh, I hate that bastard. And then she tabs her chest. <laughs> I'm like, Troy here, Captain. How can I help you? Then there's other but episodes so- where she just talks out loud. I'm like, I don't get it. How does it work? But, but how can you, like, hear it? Like, does it, they, they always look up, you know? They hear it, and they're, like, looking up, and they listen. You know, oh, I have to go now to the bridge. And it's like, but isn't it coming out of your communicator? Like, it's well, in mid-air. the original series... Uh, Kirk had the, like the uh, like the little monitor on his desk, and they're like, and he like is laying in bed, and they're like, Spock calls him, Captain, you must come to the bridge, and he runs over to the thing, and he's standing there looking down at the screen, talking to Spock, and he goes up, and I'm like, all Spock could see was your crotch, because like, this, <laughs> like how does the whole, I don't get it. <laughs> people are watching this episode saying this is a brilliant episode, and people are talking about William Shatner's crotch. But... 
<laughs> oh, no. The fish is named Livingston, in case anyone was wondering. Oh, the fish in the really? tank? Okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> is he or isn't he? Why didn't they put a security camera in his room? <laughs> it would have been logical. They're not that smart. They're really not. Voyager's dumber, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Will you help us defeat the B-type warbirds? In the next episode, they're like, D-Deredicts type. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> uh, did bees just sound too stupid? Well, they didn't know what they were actually called, so they, they had to make up something, right? Everything can be rationalized. Everything. That's why they give no prizes for comics. This Romulan has, like, the worst case of helmet hair I've ever seen. <laughs> All Can I just tell you, Patrick Stewart has not aged a day into it. He looks exactly the same. In every single movie you see him in, he looks the same, whether it's, uh, you know, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, any of these Star Trek movies or anything. Yeah, you're right. I love the way he walks. Well, Picard is supposed to be so much older than Patrick Stewart. I think in the first season they wanted Picard to be 60. So, like, the character is, like, 80. Like, if the character came back today, he'd be, like, 90. (laughs) Look, it's ridiculous. Well, the Federation may end tomorrow. I'm not doing anything unless you super-duper prove it to me. <laughs> yeah. The only way I can really understand this scene is to believe that Picard was a lot more nervous than he was act- he was letting on. Because he, yeah, he, right, he sounds like he's ordering a cup of tea or something. Well, the funny thing was, Picard as a character became this, you know, guy you just don't mess with because he looks like the nice, quiet little guy, but he'll rip you the pieces. In the first season, he was so prissy. <laughs> like, Riker was Kirk, and there was even an episode where Q pulled them all off the Enterprise to do this, you know, game on this alien planet that was really the soundstage, but whatever. And they just say, I wonder what's happening on the Enterprise, and you just show Picard standing on the bridge, like, with no one to command. He's like, hello! Hello! (laughs) He's, like, knocking on the door, trying to get out, and like, oh, please. And, of course, they did the traditional trick. It's an alien planet. We'll give it a green sky. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to the other planet with the purple sky, or the... That was soundstage 14. Uh, I have no idea I made that up. My favorite part of that was Yara in the penalty box. Yeah. Even though she's like, I'm in a penalty box, even though they never told her she was in the penalty box. So that was a little weird. You know what's weird? I love the extras who just, they're paid. They can't speak. They're just paid to work on the back stations. Well, and someone just it, came out of the bathroom. Yep. And 90% of the time, that works very, very well. But there's then there's the episodes where the ship will be destroyed in eight seconds and they're still working on the back stations. I'm like, um, why don't you just wait and just see what happens before you, like, finish your report? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, come on! And there was even an episode where the console exploded and there was, like, nothing left to it and the guy's still working on it. So. <laughs> I because didn't know what else to do. <laughs> the uh, the uh, assistant bridge. director didn't do a good job that <laughs> This bridge literally looks like, like the lobby of, like, a Hilton or something. It does not look like any type of military vessel. Yeah. Anytime someone beams on the ship, Worf has to jog around the railing to go protect the cabin. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then there's the random episodes where he tries to jump in and he looks like a moron. Uh, I think Kez is like a minute ahead of us. Someone just came out of the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> That's all I could think when I saw this guy walk across the oh, back God. of the bridge. Like no, there's an episode. It's in Best of Both Worlds where um, Captain Riker tells Data and Worf he has a little mission to send them on when they're about to engage the Borg ship and get Picard back. <laughs> you see like all these women walk out of the bathroom and all these men walk in and you're like, I know what's going on in there. <laughs> uh, that's an episode that'd be fun to do a commentary on. I always get nervous when Wesley isn't driving the ship because you know that poor guy, <laughs> the poor guy's gonna be killed. Yeah, where where is Wesley in this episode anyway? Yeah, yeah, he should be there. Well, there was actually an episode where Wesley was there, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of the scene, he got replaced, and they killed <laughs> the guy who was driving the ship, and then yes. Wesley came back. Like, <laughs> I need to run to the men's room with all the other guys. Can you just... <laughs> I think that was the was the episode with Nagilum. With the... Yes. Okay, the fact that you know that means that you're a geek like me. Welcome. Oh, well, I, I, I have no, uh, no illusions no about idea. that when it comes to Next Generation. Exactly. I love this. Option C. You're not... <laughs> really a double spy you're not actually here to stop a war you're a fo- now here's the one thing I don't get now the Romulans are provoking a war they know they're going to capture the Enterprise and they're going to imprison the crew and steal the ship and you know humiliate Starfleet do all this stuff and they know there will be a war as a result so Tomalak or Jakar from Babylon 5 is prepared for war so they know there's going to be casualties on, on the Romulan side. They know this isn't going to be like, you know, we'll steal the ship and pretend we don't know what happened. Like, they know this is going to be a thing. So when two or three Klingon ships show up with them, that should not make them say, okay, we give up, we're so sorry! Like, that's the one thing about the episode. You think they would be like, you know, bring it on, man. Like, that's the one thing that... They should have had backup closer. I think the way that it was portrayed was that um, the ships would have basically killed each other before anybody else could have gotten there. Right, but my thing was, you know, if, if they, for example, captured the Enterprise, you know, 50 Federation ships would retaliate tomorrow. And this is before Best of Both Worlds, so Starfleet's pretty powerful. And there would have been a war, and many would have been lost on both sides, and the Romulans wanted that war. So it doesn't seem likely that they would prevent that war to save only their two ships. Right. No, no but That's, the Enterprise you know, like, is in a neutral look, zone, so are the Romulans. So if they'd, if they'd mutually blown each other up, it wouldn't have started a war because they would have both been at fault. You like, if, you know, if there's nobody there to tell the story? <laughs> yeah, but no, the Romulans, obviously, it's not just Tomalak doing this. I mean, the Romulans are in on the whole thing. And Starfleet's in on the whole thing because you have, you know, Admiral Dude calling on long distance every five minutes. That'd be great if he, like, called right now. I'm busy. See, okay, the Enterprise, flagship of the Federation, um, they could have just already destroyed us by now. They don't yeah. want to. Like, oh, of course, because why would you really return fire? That'd be great if they, like, flew <laughs> through the hole in the Romulan shipping. Ah, uh, Tomalak. Well, it's really funny because Tomalak is such a good character, and he comes back in the last episode. But during the last episode, he's actually playing a character on Babylon 5. And he literally, like, on that day, I think, he took off from Babylon 5 and did his little bit on the next generation, but he actually forgot to switch characters, so he was the Babylon 5 character looking like a Romulan. He he, he was nothing like Tomalak. So bad. Yeah, it doesn't have the smug superiority that Tomalak always seems no, to have. Yeah, he's like, a, he's like a silly sidekick in that one, unfortunately. I didn't say Tomalak yeah. is that smug. 
He was well, acting like right. it, but... Oh, no, watch him right now. Dan's like, I'm so confused. <laughs> I'll see if... That's interested me, so I mean, I'll, I'll probably go and check out some more of at least this season. Or the series. Okay, here's a question. The Romulan ships can only do, like, warp six or whatever. The, their ships are slow. Why isn't Picard just, like, you know, go to warp really, really fast? This is a question that people have been asking for ages, and there is no right answer. It's like, what's the sound of one hand clapping? We can't go to warp. We're too close. <laughs> Isn't he trying to, like, do a deal and stuff? Like, he doesn't want to back down, you know, they, they're trying to make peace. And if he runs away, there's no yeah, more. I think, I think even Picard's the king of running away. Well, in the first episode, he meets the Ferengi. He tries to promptly surrender, like his, I don't know. It's a good question, though. Would it have started the war anyway if he'd run away right now? Probably well, not. Well, probably would have geared the Romulans up that the Federation's running. Let's go kick their ass. That's true, though. If he wouldn't have had a legal reason. Look, he's gearing up for a fight, and he doesn't seem like the type that would say, "Ooh, I'm outnumbered," or it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be, it's gonna be easier than I, it's gonna be harder than I thought. We can't do this. Like he seems like he should have fought the Klingons to be. Uh oh, another game. Henry the Fifth line. Here we go. Picard is so badass. <laughs> Kirk would right there be like having oral sex with a woman right there. <laughs> 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 and then he then he would fire the phasers himself or transport to the enemy No, he'd bridge. like throw her onto the console and she'd hit the phaser button and blow the Romulan <laughs> bridge up. <laughs> Somebody needs to write that fan pic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> now, how big are these birds? This is before you have the Klingon attackers. That bird of prey is like twice the size of the Enterprise. Like. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the horse from Gilmore Girls is four times as big as all I think it's a perspective thing there, but uh, uh, as I understand, they're actually much smaller than the Enterprise. Just uh, Well, then they're like, well, we have different types of birds. <laughs> yes, of course they do. Uh, the whole thing makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. No. I don't I think they're quite as big as, as far as uh, you know having a consistent uh, technical basis of everything, certainly in the series. And you look at the... Uh, you know, they they just kind of play fast and loose, like you said, with B type versus the Derek's class. You know, they they change things on a whim. Yeah, I mean, Voyager was the worst because with Next Generation, I felt there was some effort to maintain continuity. Whereas the Voyager, like you know, Janeway's turning into a salamander in one episode. <laughs> they I mean, it's like they. That was an image I could have done without. That's one of the worst episodes ever. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> they actually made they hated that episode so much they actually pretended it never happened because that episode involves Paris Tom Paris going to warp they're on a different sound stage right here they're actually behind the bridge that's 10 forward on the left in case you're wondering um they I was wondering episode, thank you yeah they did an episode where um where it's the one where um Paris goes to transwarp haha <laughs> he had too many tums Paris goes to transwarp and turns into a salamander and it was so awful that in a future episode Paris is like hmm transwarp I've always wanted to try that. 
happened. Well, you know, uh, what happened was he accidentally looked over and there was Justin standing around. Because we're going into the yeah. Because the plot of the episode was we're going at infinite velocity. And then we're going to go a little bit faster. Hmm. But can I just say here in the episode Unification, where they go to Romulus, it would have been a really cool yeah, one-liner cool. if they had said, oh, by the way, I have this letter for his wife. You know, maybe on the way to the mall, we could drop it off. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it would have been cool if they brought it up again. It would have been cool. Okay, Dan, how how was our geek session? Do you, do you need to lay down? How are we're, you doing? Were we geeky enough? Well, well, the, well, the thing is, uh, if anybody checks out the geek thing on Poofwa, I'm uh, 90-some percent. So if... So if the only person that beats Dan is Rena. <laughs> yeah, so if, so if I became a Trekkie, that would, like, make me 100%, so... Oh, yeah. yeah. You can tell we're geeks, because I think we... Be- Quick, show of hands. Who can remember what episode we just watched? Anyone? Me. Uh, me. <laughs> it's, like, the best episode of the series, and, we're, and I'm like, that's where 10 Forward is! It's on the backside, and the mess hall of our voyager is really 10 Forward. I think this is All the right, episode that made me think the Romulans are really scary villains. You know? Well, that mm. that died down shortly thereafter, unfortunately. Yeah. Let me, now, let me just blow Kronk's mind. Kronk, the ten forward windows are the windows from Janeway's ready room upside down. Whoa. See, look at that. Uh-huh. That's the, that's the type of geekiness. And Troy's couch from her office is Janeway's couch. Deal with it. Wow. There you go. All right. So with that, <laughs> we have so totally geeked. I right uh, now. <laughs> Keza is on a lot of medication at the moment. Like- well, I mean, like I like Star Trek. I have like a hundred books. I I watch it. I know stuff, but this goes beyond anything beyond. I've ever heard. Speaking <laughs> the of beyond, upside down. You know that? And because I'd love to pick your brain about Star Trek books at some point. I've got a whole bunch. Oh, well, Who here's read Q squared? I like that. Before I was read fan fiction. That's what I read. <laughs> Star Trek hmm. novels. I well, then they're published many. fan fiction. <laughs> Yeah, they're published yeah. fan fiction, exactly. And then I found Harry Potter fan fiction online and I didn't have to pay for it. And uh, now I have a new job. Mm. <laughs> so with that, we'll all be back for another Geek Fest episode. Maybe we'll even pay attention to what we're watching on screen. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <Bye>. See you. <ya. laughs>